Hey, how's everybody doing? And welcome back to 125 Unfiltered, episode 78. We're back talking some college baseball. UNC made their way out of the Chapel Hill Regional, and they are in the Super Regionals for the first time since 2019. But as you guys probably guessed, I am not alone. Once again, we are welcomed again by Eric Weir. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Josh. How about you? Doing well. Uh, thank you again for coming back on the podcast. Uh, very excited to talk some more baseball because such an eventful weekend. Obviously, some some good games for the Tar Heels as they advance. Uh, there is a lot to get into, so I'm glad that you're able to come back on the baseball expert himself. Uh, fun fact for you guys out there, Eric filmed about 95% of UNC's baseball games for Sports Extra. Did I get that percentage right, you think? I think that's your, you might be overcompensating it just a little bit, but I appreciate that. Yeah. Either way, Eric is the man when it comes to baseball. So yeah, we've got a good episode planned for you guys. Let's just hop straight into it. A uh, quick summary of what happened this past weekend. So Chapel Hill regional it's UNC, Georgia, VCU, Hofstra. UNC is the number 10 overall seed. First off, they beat Hofstra 15 to four. They get up early, uh, blow them out pretty easily. Uh, we'll we'll get in depth with the next game uh, because they play VCU after VCU beats Georgia uh, in the winner's side of the bracket, and they actually lose this one three to four. Uh, a very defensive-minded game. A couple controversies though, uh, which one was obviously the first one in the second inning. Uh, I believe it was Tomas Frick slid into second base. Uh, after getting out and uh, I guess his head hit the uh, defender's knee who tried to make the throw to first to turn two. They called it runner interference. Uh, they, they called it a double play. And this was big because there was a runner on third base. He scored at home. That would have been the first run for UNC. Uh, and that run got taken off the board because uh, they called the double play. Uh, but the big one, which everyone watching the game saw the infield fly controversy third inning. Uh, Matt Corvath pops a ball up in the air in the infield. Was it high enough? Was it not? Uh, the umps do not call it an infield fly. The runners obviously are like, okay, we aren't supposed to go here because we know that if it is an infield fly, we could get caught if we don't get go if we don't go back to our base. Uh, the second baseman actually drops it. He turns two on the double play uh, at second, and then. The third baseman gets the tag out for the third out. And Scott Forbes is fuming, gets tossed, and then ends up with a two-game suspension. Uh, so I know that was a lot, though, that we just broke down in that one game. Uh, so from you, you were at the game, Eric. What were you thinking during those two moments very early in the game? Well, first of all, <clears throat> when I first saw the play, I thought, okay, he dropped it. And then immediately my mind flashed, okay, that should be, any infield fly um but it wasn't um and uh, according to the umpires and obviously like we were all pissed and we knew that scott forbes would go and um try and stand up for guys stand up for his guys and so there was kind of everyone kind of knew that there was a possibility he could get tossed um but yeah it was interesting that it went down that way yeah, but because it's it's a high pressure game, you know, it's in it's in the playoffs, you know, everything on the line, emotions are high. So I don't necessarily disagree with tossing him. I just think the two game suspension was very harsh from the NCAA. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are a lot of instances where I kind of disagree with some of their rulings and stuff. Was it a, a I could see, was it an infield flyer or not? I could see why they didn't call it. The ball was popped up, but it wasn't too high. Uh, but that's also just a really tough situation for the base runners. Um, so it's, it's just a bad rule, potentially. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's something they fix. But, um, yeah, I don't think the two-game suspension was warranted. Was he on the field for too long arguing? Who knows? But in a game like that where every run mattered, UNC lost by one, um, it was it was certainly uh, a tough blow for the team at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think I, I'm not extremely upset with the call on the field. Um, the infield fly rule states that uh, if uh, the infield fly rule comes into effect when it's a routine play, but at the same time, like it's kind of hard to judge when is that routine play, and could the uh, could the the uh, defender I believe it was the second baseman, could he be acting a little bit? Maybe he got like a a slow jump to it. It's it's one of these things where there's a lot of give and take. Um, but it, it's not the greatest rule. But it I'm not upset with it. But definitely the two game suspension suspension was terrible. Um, you've got a guy who's trying to like defend his team, trying to talk to the umpires, get an explanation. Um, and then if he gets upset and he's not, you know, saying anything extremely vulgar or uh, like at all being physical, I, I don't think there should be a suspension. I mean, I, I, th- I thought it was ridiculous. Uh, thankfully it didn't cost you and see their season. Yeah, I mean, totally, totally agree there. I'm right. I'm right with you. Uh, in in a moment like that, again, motions are high. There, that was two calls in the first three innings where it doesn't go your way. Um, yeah, I don't think a suspension was warranted. But as we saw on day three, UNC bounces back. They beat Georgia in a very. It was it was six two heading into the ninth inning. They won six five. They got up early, but Georgia stormed back in the ninth. Uh, and the big moment in this one was the cut home run robbery this home run would have tied the game at six all it would have been from what we've seen this season another late game collapse by the Tar Heels but Honeycutt saves the day uh and it really just shows his greatness and how amazing not only uh at the plate for Honeycutt but also in the field oh yeah I, I agree with you like this this kid has just shown out this postseason and um like he has helped this team offensively. We saw in the Hofstra and the uh, VCU game even, but then in this game when the team needed something to, they needed a savior. He literally, he saved the season. I've never seen a home run robbery times that perfectly, but it was, I had a perfect angle of it when I saw it and it was, it was clean. Yeah, I mean, just pure athleticism on that. Great instincts, great job tracking the ball. I'm, I mean, I haven't played baseball in a while, but it's probably difficult, you know, tracking the ball. That's coming very fast, right uh, right over the wall with the sun and everything. But, yeah, Vance Honeycutt, I mean, he's just been spectacular. I mean, he was 8 of 21 uh, hitting-wise, three uh, batting 381 in the regional round, eight runs scored. He had three home runs. RBIs the kid can really do it all I mean he's he's absolutely phenomenal um, but as we saw in the next couple games as they had to beat VCU twice uh, without losing they had to beat him twice in a row to to win the regional tournament uh, there were a lot of other guys stepping up they route VCU the first game 19 to 8 they get 
early uh, in that one. But then uh, the next game, they uh, they win seven to three. Also get up early there. Uh, so some good victories versus versus VCU after losing the first one. And a big theme for me in all four of their wins, they were up early. They're playing from ahead. Uh, but really all weekend. I thought the bats were just rolling for these guys. Mikey Madej, your X-Factor pick, he won uh, the the regional tournament MVP. And yeah, just a lot of guys just getting hits, getting on base. And this offense was unstoppable for the most part this weekend. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the key. You said that uh, the thing you noticed the most about this uh, was that they were getting on early. And that's the key with this team because if they can grab a lead and then just hold on, and then, because we saw in the VCU that that last VCU game that would that sent them to the supers, uh, we got up early, and then they tried to chip away, and then we'd add a couple more on. Like that's the 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 strength of this team; they can just keep on adding on, and as long as they don't get stuck in a pitching duel like that we saw in that first VCU game where they lost, I believe it was four to three, um, like it that their offense can make sure that their pitching staff does not have to be perfect. Yeah. And this is even with a good pitching weekend, they only give up four runs a game. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, in that last game, you know, Schaefer did his job pitching three and a little bit extra uh, innings. The bullpen obviously did their job. Davis Palermo doing his thing. Uh, but yeah, I was really impressed with the hitting again. Uh, Honeycutt was 381. Madej was 375, eight RBI. Soretti was eight of 25. Uh, Angel Zarate was, 10 of 26. Danny Serretti, he had three home runs over the tournament. Kasignazi hit a hit a bomb. Uh, Ozuna as well. So everyone shipping in for this entire lineup uh, for the Tar Heels. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, it, it was great. Everyone, like when everyone gets involved, that's the, that's the beauty of this lineup. Like they can, one through nine can, can hurt you. And it's, it's, been, it's been what's got the heels to this point of the season. Yeah, and I want to go back to the pitching as well, because like I mentioned, I think they did a pretty good job. What uh, stuck out to you the most? Uh, because, again, when you're playing from ahead, your bullpen does need to, you know, to uh, keep a hold of the lead. And Georgia had almost slipped away. But I thought for the most part, they did a solid job. What, solid job. what did you notice from those guys? Because it really was a group effort, especially late in the tournament when you're having guys pitch an inning or two. I was I was impressed by the guys that have, um, stepped up and yeah we always know when big time players on the biggest stage they step up and they take that they take that next step to being great and guys like not just Davis Palermo he's going to be great you know he's going to be great um, but guys like uh, Nick Pry he was good guys like Caden who uh, excuse me Caden O'Brien who hasn't pitched in a couple weeks he was phenomenal. Um, Nick Pry, Gage Gillian, all these guys, they stepped up. And when we needed them to get stops and get outs, they did it. And I was, I was very impressed with the relief pitching this weekend. Yeah, because when you are in the losers bracket and you've got to win three in a row to <laughs> to get out of to get out of a hole, it does come down to pitching a lot. And obviously, 
uh, the the offense isn't going to be putting up 15 runs a ga- uh, every single game. So I just think oh, a complete all around performance. I'm sure losing Scott Forbes for two games was just real motivation for these guys. Uh, and man, they're electric. They're fun to watch. I I was I was watching their games against VCU, and you know that's for for me as not typically following baseball. But uh, they advanced to the Super Regionals. They're going to be playing Arkansas in Chapel Hill. Uh, before we head to that, any last thoughts on uh, the, the regional round before we wrap that part up? Oh, I wanted to say one of the best things I saw all weekend was um, in that third day of the um, the regional, uh, those were the two games that Scott Forbes was suspended. I had a great angle. I was down the first baseline in the stands. I could see right in UNC's dugout, and in UNC's dugout, they had Scott Forbes' jersey hanging. And it was just great, <clears throat> great sim- symbol, just uh, keep the, the heels going. And it was help them rally and get them to the supers. Yeah, it just really shows like how, how much these guys have bought in to Scott Forbes's, you know, his his coaching. I, I mean, just shows how many great coaches are at UNC. I mean, it seems everyone loves him. Roy Williams was there to support him. Uh, just, I mean, I could go off the list. You could, I mean, Anson Dorns, Hubert Davis, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah. Roy Williams, Jenny Levy, Women's Lacrosse winning the national championship. Just so many great coaches at UNC. And Forbes is just the just the, the latest, showing the excellence uh, of talent and, and sports at, at UNC. It, it truly has been uh, a really good year of, of athletics after a somewhat down year uh, the, in the last year, obviously with basketball not being as good, baseball uh, having a rough go. But I mean, if Tar Heel baseball is good, spring sports are thriving for UNC. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, I did see that UNC is the only team uh, in the country that made a bowl game, made the uh, I think it was the NCAA tournament for basketball, but then also the Super Regionals. Uh, so again, a fantastic year uh, for Carolina baseball, and they are they're not done yet. Oh no, sir, definitely not. All right, so let's head over to the Super Regionals. UNC hosting Arkansas. Best two out of three. Winner goes to the College World Series. UNC was in the Super Regional back in 2019 when they lost two out of three games to Auburn. They hosted that one as well. So it's been a few years, but they are back. Again, a spot in the College World Series on the line. And do not let the no number next to Arkansas's name deceive you. They beat Oklahoma State, the number seven team in the nation. Arkansas is no joke. They're an SEC school. Uh, they've competed with some of the best teams in the country. And, yeah, we've seen underdogs get it done. So going to be a really, really good matchup between UNC and Arkansas. So, yeah, Eric, looking ahead, you know, how can UNC really take down Arkansas? Is a lot of what we've seen, or are there a couple new things that they need to do this round? Well, this is what I'm seeing. Um, Arkansas is a middle-of-the-road SEC offense, which in terms of overall offense is still pretty dang good. Um, and they might have one of the best pitching staffs in the SEC, which means they have one of the best pitching staffs in the country. So UNC, I, I, they need – they need to attack the starting pitchers of Arkansas because as soon as we get to that Arkansas bullpen, I'm looking at four, five, maybe even six guys that they could go to that can shut down these UNC bats and inning at a time. So they need to attack these young starting pitchers for Arkansas to have a shot. And on the pitching side, it's strange because they don't hit for, um, not a lot of these Arkansas hitters in their starting lineup hit for a high average, 
but they can hit for power all through the lineup. But they're also very patient. So UNC cannot let guys get on base via the walk, via the hit by pitch. They need to be they need to be throwing strikes and they need to be attacking. And that's going to give them the, the best chance to make it to the College World Series. Yeah, I mean, great, great breakdown of Arkansas there because, I mean, I don't know too much about this team, uh, but I, I can kind of go along with some of your ideas there. They got to strike first. You know, I think them ahead has been such a big theme for their run in the in, in all postseason play in the ACC tournament regional round uh, because, again, we talked about how giving that breathing room takes pressure off your pitchers, probably takes pressure off your batters as well. So keeping the bats rolling early, I think is a huge, huge theme for me, you know, getting Angel Zarate with the leadoff hit, getting him on base, getting Vance Honeycutt uh, in a position where he can, you know, hit a home run potential or just get RBIs with runners in scoring position. Obviously, Mikey Madej, uh, he was fantastic winning the winning MVP in the regional round. I think he can continue his confidence. And then obviously you got, you got consistent guys like, you know, Danny Serretti, he's going to do his thing. Uh, uh, Ozuna, he, he could potentially have a little bit of a better, a better run, but, um, although none of the hitters really hit that poorly. Um, but I think also uh, the, the big thing for me, uh, and this is where I want to hop into X factors real quick, because I'll list out one of my two. And this is the guy on the mound, Max Carlson. I think he is the mm-hmm. biggest X factor in game one because uh, he has a full week of rest. Pretty much hadn't pitched since Thursday or hadn't pitched against, uh, since Friday uh, against Hofstra. Uh, and, you know, with that much rest, he could go six, seven, maybe eight innings uh, if he if he has a good day on the mound. Uh, and I think that's really important because it gives your bullpen some rest. If it does go to a third game, we know arms can be a little tired. Uh, but the fact that he's this well rested uh, and we know how the, that he can go the distance and that he's very, very efficient. He's been so good in the last month or so. Uh, I think he is a big X factor because if he keeps uh, the Arkansas batting lineup at uh, you know, not letting them, you know, just get a lot of hits, uh, you know, get on base, anything, no walks, like you said. Um, I think this could be a huge opportunity for UNC to take game one uh, and not have to win two straight. Yeah, I think um, I, I'll cut you in with my pitching X factor, which is actually the guy that will follow Max Carlson, and that's Brandon Schaefer. And the thing is about Brandon Schaefer is um, I, I looked up his stats. Um, over his last five stats or last five starts, he's averaging uh, six and a th- over a six and a third innings pitch, and he's got a two point eight one ERA in that span. And th- these games are no gimmies; these are the playoff games. This is against he had uh, he held Wake Forest to three runs over seven and a third. Wake Forest, probably one of the best ACC offenses. Um, and of course, like we got to talk about how he's he's been clutch. He has been one of the clutch. He held Virginia Tech, possibly the best ACC offense, to zero runs. Like, he shut him out. Complete complete game. Um, he had two starts against VCU in two days. Like, he has this ability to get deep into starts because he pitches to contact. He isn't a guy that's going to be like, oh, I need three pitches so I can strike you out. He's like, hey, I can get this guy to roll over in one pitch. I can get this guy to fly out in two pitches. Okay, that allows him to get deep into starts and it allows him to save these bullpen arms for us, for UNC to succeed. They need to keep these bullpen arms, specifically Davis Palermo, fresh because we can't be using, say there's a game three. If we're in game three and Davis Palermo has been used 
three times, Arkansas is going to be able to time his fastball. They're going to be time his off speed. And that is going to be, that's going to give an advantage to Arkansas. And that goes with the rest of um, the bullpen. So Schaefer is going to need to go deep into his start in order to give them a chance, a better chance to win. Yeah, I'm right with you there with, with the bullpen because something with Arkansas, they were down 12-5 to Oklahoma State, and they stormed back to win 20-12, to an absolute monster comeback. Uh, I mean, they were hit getting runs all over the place. So this, uh, especially in those later innings, the game is never over. We've seen a lot of crazy comebacks uh, in both the College World Series and the Women's College uh, World Series in both tournaments. Uh, so you got to keep the foot on the pedal. Um, when it comes to the guy at bat, we've obviously we've talked about Vance Honeycutt. We've talked about Mike Midday a bit. Um, uh, the, a lot of the lineup had a had a solid uh, regional tournament, but who do you think is the guy who can really go off this time? See, I would like to say someone else, but I think I have to talk about Vance Honeycutt a little bit more, just because he has been a matchup nightmare. You can't put him on base. You have to attack him, but if you leave one in the middle, he's going to hit it 400 feet. Um, I brought up his stats for uh, the postseason here. Vance Honeycutt, and this is including the ACC tournament. Vance Honeycutt is uh, 14 for 36. Seven of those hits are home runs. The dude is on fire. And if he can continue this run, he will likely – lead this team to a college world series and he also gives invaluable uh he gives incredible value excuse me on uh defense and on the base bats like he's he will probably get his 30th stolen base of the year and become the first 2030 um player in unc history and he's he's going to be the guy that uh the arkansas uh, coaches circle on their lineup card and say, we need to be careful with this guy. Yeah. I mean, he, he's done it all. I mean, the, in the entire postseason, I have been so impressed by just like, like you said, just every aspect of the game, he has sharpened as the season has progressed. We know he had that slump midway through the season. I remember talked about this last time uh, you were on, but he was hitting like two thirds the nine hole uh and now he is the most one of the most dangerous players in all of college baseball and it's just as a freshman he's just getting started i think for me it, it kind of compounds off your pick but i'm going angel zarate had 10 hits in the regional round and he's really important because one he sets the tone lead off hitter whether it's a walk whether it's a hit i mean he's pretty fast he can bait out ground ball possibly but him getting on base is really really important because then it gets your guys it gets you know soretti it gets honeycutt Madej, Ozuna, it gets those guys opportunities to bat runners in. And when you do that early on, because Zarate gets an early hit, I think that's really, really important for getting those early leads, as we've seen uh, for, for Carolina baseball in the past month, pretty much. Um, but that's also just his consistency. I mean, it's really impressive how, I mean, he, he'll he have games with three or four hits. He does it a lot. Uh, he's not really going to go yard that much, but just the fact that he can get on base, possibly start a late game rally. I think that is really valuable because, you know, when you've got big hitters, who can potentially just have an off an off day. Having a guy like Angel Zarate is really, really important uh, just to make sure that you, you got confidence that this guy's going to get a couple hits, get on base a few times a game. Oh yeah. And um, I remember 
uh, back in like the, uh, the value of a leadoff hitter is one of the most important things in baseball. I remember back in 2016, uh, my Chicago Cubs, they had the leadoff hitter. His name is Dexter Fowler. And the Cubs, uh, when he was injured, they struggled. But when they had him, they had this thing, where you go, we go. So that's the same thing with Angel. If Angel is getting on base, the offense works. If he's not, the offense will struggle. Um, and so he is invaluable. And he, like you said, he sets the tone. Yeah, I mean, I, it's just there are a lot of pieces that need to fit, a lot of things that need to go right to make these types of runs. But UNC is really firing on all cylinders. They're pitching well. They're hitting well. They're fielding well. Uh, and, man, I'm just excited to watch it. Game one starts on Friday against Arkansas. I'm obviously, like I always do, I think UNC is going to be able to get out of it. Now, when they get to the College World Series, I think that's when I can probably get a little more realistic. Uh, with how far they can go. Uh, but yeah, I mean, especially not going up against Oklahoma State, uh, not having to travel to their field and being able to stay in Chapel Hill. Go, uh, if you're, if anyone listening, go pack the Bosch, uh, go run it up over there. Uh, it's going to be a really, really uh, fun tournament. I wish I was able uh, to go, but that's going to pretty much do it, Eric. Uh, any, uh, any any last thoughts on their run? Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're probably going to pick them to, to advance, but uh, any last things on, on UNC baseball? Oh, um, not that I can think of, but go pack the Bosch, make it the loudest stadium, make it as loud as the Dean Dome, as, as if we were playing Duke. And that's about it. That's all I got. And there you have another great episode with me and Eric talking some UNC baseball in the books. Next episode, we're going to talk NBA Finals. Kind of been combining uh, two games into one episode. Gets a little more content uh, instead of just having the little five to eight minute episode. But thank you, Eric, for coming on. Everyone, thank you so much for listening, and I'll speak to you next time.